single call on a social media, a post calling people to physically abuse my wife because my company that I started borrowed money and I was just a 1% shareholder and 85-90% of the company was held by VCs who didn't come to help me. I think that was a low point. Really, truly, shockingly low point. So welcome to uh, Outliers. My pleasure. <laughs> this is 49th episode of Outliers. I'm really excited, uh, like a child. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's been quite uh, an exciting journey having these conversations. Um, so, so I have also spent a lot of time thinking what makes an outlier, and I don't have much of answer. Maybe after I have done 100 of these conversations, there would be uh, things to uh, dig in and figure out if there is a science behind it. Uh, well, if you do 100, you should get all 100 in a room and ask them what makes them tick, and there you get your answer. That's the idea. <laughs> you are listening to uh, K. Vaidishwaran, uh, who, uh, who built and was part of building India's first e-commerce company. Yeah. And like he just mentioned to me before we started the conversation, uh, the only com e-commerce company that was started uh, in the last century. <laughs> and there are lots of firsts uh, with Vaiti's uh, journey. I remember starting my career in early 2000 and meeting him back then and watching uh, his journey from, uh, from outside, of course. And I was always fascinated with uh, Vaiti's uh, candidness, uh, always accessible and always open to sharing real lessons. Then I started reading and consuming a lot of uh, talks he, he was giving. Uh, you know, Fab Mall was there, then India Plaza happened. Uh, I was always keen to catch up and sit across the table like I'm do doing now. I'm sorry it's taken so long. But uh, I, I believe that, uh, I mean, some people question glorifying failures. Uh, but that debate aside, I, I always believe that uh, failures and, 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 and pain uh, bring out the real uh, lessons and also bring out the real persona inside, you know, from us. I'm a rookie, just one entrepreneur, just one and a half year old, and I can sense that myself. <clears throat> so the idea of this conversation, Vaiti, was really to to uh, you know, revisit the journey you had in uh, when it comes to uh, the hardships in entrepreneur uh, real journey. Let's start with the lowest point you hit, and let's uh, move the journey upwards from there. What was that in, in, in your entire entrepreneurial journey? What was the lowest you hit, and how? So you know. My belief and uh, born out of my experience says that if you're an entrepreneur and you're a new entrepreneur, so I'm not sure this is a, you want to listen to this, but the reality is if you're an entrepreneur, if a year has 365 days, 360 days will suck, right? So that's the reality. So over a 14 year journey, it's very hard to say which was the lowest point because there were so many, so many of them, months, weeks, days. But the one thing I learned about the low points is that 
just when you think things have hit the low point, there's a lower point coming up, right? And that's the sad part. It also shows that, you know, normally people say that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. My view is that when the going gets tough, what's bad only becomes worse. That's what happens. Life is all about momentum. And when things go wrong, it only gets worse. So, you know, in 2010, uh, when we were really struggling for money, uh, before we did the CDC, and we had vendors to whom we had not paid, and they all came to my office, people abusing. A guy from Delhi came, a vendor came in Delhi and abused me. So, you know, uh, my mother, I don't have a sister, my mother had died, but a typical Delhi guy will use all those. So my mother, sister all came into the conversation. All employees are standing. You feel that your dignity has been stripped off. But you move on, he's gone, what to do? I mean, the only thing that you satisfy yourself is that I never owed the guy money, the business owed the money. Obviously, he was using abusive language, but he went away. Two few days later, one guy came with cops. He used some contacts, used some political connections, and said, I will arrest you and all that. I said, how can you arrest me? I don't owe any money. He's saying it doesn't matter. Then that guy spoke to me very nicely off the record and said, this is not about what is right or wrong. This is about the fact that I'm under pressure from somebody who's connected me. I have to take action, so I will arrest you. And I thought that was a low point. Then 2013 happened, and suddenly the, all these things looked like a vacation to me because things were so mad. I mean, um, some of those incidents I've mentioned in the book, they're all terrible, right? One guy threatening to send um, transgenders home, knock on my door and sing and dance, collecting money. People were drunk. They came, come, one group of people, they came. I was not at home. My son and my wife are there, knocking on the door, threatening abusive language, all drunk, neighbors watching. One guy threatening to throw babies in front of my car. I mean, it was just the most distressing incident, uh, threat that I've, of all the threats that I've, the worst is a vendor telling me that he will throw a baby in front of my car. And, you know, I couldn't understand what he meant. He said, when you're driving, I will throw a baby. I said, whose baby? He said, somebody's baby. I'll grab somebody's baby. I'll hire people who will throw some baby. Some mother will jump in front of the baby. You'll have to break the car, and then you'll get beaten up. I said, seriously? You're even thinking like this? And I thought they were all low points. And then one day, an ex-employee posted a call on social media to abuse physically abuse my wife because I had not paid money. To me, that was a low point. I really gave up after that. I said, boss, this is just, just not worth it. It was also, I think, one of the trigger points for me to write the book because, you know, there's a, everybody says there are two sides to every story. I'm of the belief that there are three sides to every story. And it's true of a picture. Picture, there are two sides to every picture. There are three sides. There's a front, there's a back, and there's a side. You remember Shole, the guy tosses the coin, there's heads the tail, but the coin stops. I mean, there's always a third side to everything. There's nothing which has only two sides. And the third side to entrepreneurship is the ugly side. I keep talking about this movie, the good, the bad, and ugly. The good side, there's a bad. There is an ugly side. This is truly the ugly side. The reason I wrote the book is I wanted people to read this. In, that is why I candidly shared this incident about my wife. And every time, even today, when I go back and read my own book, that para, I actually break down. I just cry. 
nothing is worth it, right? What can be worth it? So to me, that was the lowest point. And I went through so many low points. I thought this is a low point, another one came, another came. But that was it. I, there was nothing lower than that. That single call on a social media, a post, calling people to physically abuse my wife because my company that I started borrowed money and I was just a 1% shareholder and 85-90% of the company was held by VCs who didn't come to help me. I think that was a low point. Really, truly, shockingly low point. I hope I don't see anything lower than that. The uh, people also talk about impact of uh, entrepreneurship on the person you are. I remember talking to Fanin Sama <coughs> once in an interview, and he said, "Entrepreneurship has ennobled me, like made me morally noble because of the things he experienced and he saw." The things that you're talking about, what changes did they bring in you as a person? And for example, did you give up on your entrepreneurship because of, of this? <coughs> or or how, how, did, how did you cope with these? Okay, so first is the only good thing that I must say is I didn't experience only failure. That's the good thing. So the fab ball was a good experience. We exited. We sold out to the Birlas. Uh, more happened. So, in a sense, I can truly claim to see, have seen all the sides of an entrepreneur. I mean, there's a good side, there's a bad side, and there is ugly side. There's hardly anybody, I think, in India who can claim to have seen all three sides. I've seen all three. So, in that sense, it's not that I'm saying don't become an entrepreneur because you only see the bad side. That's not true. Good things happen. And I think if it is meant to happen, it will be meant to happen. What has changed me as a person, I think what has changed me as a person is you know, one of the things that he said is that entrepreneurs must be emotional and passionately involved in their business. And while they are at it, it is the most important thing in their life. My experience tells me that it should not be the most important thing in my life. So will I ever do a startup again? Have I not done a startup because of that? That's not the only reason. Obviously, there has been, uh, there was certainly hesitation, but I'm hoping to certainly uh, once an entrepreneur always, so I'm hoping to come back and maybe, you never know, uh, one fine day some idea may come, perhaps we could do. But what I have, the mistake that I will not ever make is that I'm absolutely, if I ever do a startup again, it will not be the most important thing in my life. I'm absolutely clear. Because when you make it the most important thing in your life, you go so deep into the hole that if things don't work out, then it just destroys you as a person. You know, during those traumatic year, 2013 has been a very, was a very traumatic year. I mean, I felt every day my dignity being stripped away, layer by layer, exposing me absolutely naked in front of the world. I will never allow that to happen again. I'm absolutely clear. Worst case, what will happen, I'll do a startup and it didn't work, right? I'll move on in life and maybe I'll write another book. <laughs> but it won't be the most important thing in my India Plaza was the most important thing in my life. When all this happened, I realized what was I doing because it's not the most important thing in life. The most important thing in my life is, to me, my wife and son today. Clearly the most important thing. My family is the most important thing in my life. Anything that I do, if I ever become an entrepreneur, 
my startup will be the second most important thing in my life but it will never again be the most important thing i think that's the protection and insurance that i will give myself as a learning from my earlier work that's i think I, i'm not sure it's the right advice because most people say for an entrepreneur it must be the most important thing from my side i think there's a massive risk of doing that if the ugly things happen as long as the ugly thing the bad thing is not a problem i mean you start 5 years later the company didn't do well it didn't get the financial outcome you close out you close down you move on there is no problem but it can't get ugly where you destroyed as a person that risk i can't take again so that's the reason it will always be if i my next startup will be the second most important thing in my life that's how it has changed me as a person very important point you made the reason i also asked that question about the impact it had at least the ugly experience had on you as a person uh, sometimes uh, depending what we go through uh, our ways to respond to a situation changes <clears throat> so for example when it comes to trusting people or for example lots of other things uh, how do you cope with those changes and how do you uh, how do you decide what changes you should imbibe and what you should not uh, it is like going on a on a voyage on a journey uh, adventure trip and you come back you will carry uh, the bruises right yes absolutely uh, so so what have been some of those things Uh, this i very clearly understand i appreciate you saying why it should be the second most important but anything else in particular yeah so you you actually make an important point about the trust thing because by nature i'm a very trusting person right i always trust everything i take everything at face value based on this experience i will be a lot more careful um the risk of being therefore distrustful of everything is that you actually start it's like throwing the baby with the bath water right right i mean that's a problem you become so distrustful that a truly genuine person sitting or sitting across the table you have a potential discussion going on but you saying is this guy worth trusting i don't know him i mean he could be a very nice person so that's the risk i don't know what the answer is but i was a very trusting person I don't want to be distrustful of everything because of that lessons. I have to strike a balance. I don't know what the balance is, but certainly I'm a lot more careful from a trust point of view. The second thing is from the well anyway I've also said that it's not very important to me. Therefore I'm also clear that if it doesn't work out I'm not going to attach too much of importance. It doesn't matter it didn't work out it didn't work out I will I will be less emotionally invested into any startup going forward i think that's very clear right i mean it's completely wrong advice uh, and i don't want people to read this and say or listen to this and say is this the right thing to do i think emotional investment is very important but from my point of view it will never again happen because i can't take the risk a second time but what i have not given up and you know i've focused on this in um, a certain incident in the book um, and um, i talk about it very regularly at startup events and any event that happens you know i feel like this uh, backbencher <laughs> who never reads books <laughs> i'm so sorry no that's right <laughs> <laughs> please tell me more about it because i'm not going to read it so <laughs> sure. so there's this incident that i mentioned in the book and i talk about this i 
people ask me what's the most important quality that you look for in an entrepreneur in a startup and my answer has always been integrity i think an entrepreneur needs to have uncompromisingly high standards of personal integrity it must be non negotiable the reason i say that is that i mean we all live in an environment today where raising money is a sign of success the more money you've raised the more successful you are as an entrepreneur which i think is a whole lot of bullshit um, fortunately i was the only one saying it for many years but i can see some chorus at the back now so that's good the fact of the matter is because you're taking money from others i mean you have every right to treat your money badly you've earned it you can treat it badly you have no right to treat others money badly so it's the other way around because you're raising money from somebody else you need to have extremely high standards of personal integrity right you are accountable to somebody else for the money the business didn't work out that's a different issue but you can't compromise on that to me that's the point. now here's what happened we were deeply in a financial crisis at home i had lost all money investment loans and everything went i mean there was nothing left and instead of making some something out of the long journey i actually got nothing so it was a long long period the best years of my life down the drain totally wasted financially and uh, i got a call from a ceo of an e-commerce company well known company please don't ask name because i'm not going to mention it and he said um, and that portion is there it's a very small conversation perhaps you should read it but essentially i was offered by this person money to share the company database which is the customer database and uh, i said sure we can do that um, here's the name of the company this is the price you write the check give it to me and i'll give you the database he said no i don't want to deal with the company i want to deal with you i said yeah you're dealing with me he said no you're missing the point i want to give you money i said the database is a company property how can i give you how can you deal with me give it to the company i'll give it to you there's no problem we can do an official transaction he said no i will give you the money then when he realized i was not uh, and he offered some 30 30 odd lakhs or he actually offered me 1 crore in cash he said i'll give you 1 crore in cash and i said uh, why will you give me cash you have to give it to the company the 1 crore looks good please give it to the company i mean i'll use the 1 crore to pay off some debts and you i'll give you a copy of the database and no we don't want to deal with the company and why you so worried what is this integrity thing your investors we know you have been looking around trying to raise money your investors are not helping you they left you in the lurch we heard the stories why you so like this nobody knows i told him you're missing the point i know see integrity is not about others knowing integrity is about you knowing i know right i can't be like that i think irrespective of what has happened that's a second thing that i've never changed as a person while i've lost a lot of trust issues what i'm very clear is that this is an area that i will never compromise because that's the way i am and i'm hoping i continue to believe that if you stay on the path which is the straight and the honest some day the destination is good but the fact that you walked a straight path in itself is a great reward irrespective of how the journey ends so i am not sure there's enough importance being given to the integrity factor in the indian startup ecosystem this is not to say that entrepreneurs are not like that i think 99.9% of the people are probably as good if not higher standards of integrity than than i have which is all great 
But I keep reading on and off this story here, that story here. Those sadden me because you can't, you know, the India is building a startup ecosystem. We have still a long way to go before we can call it, forget Silicon Valley, some valley, even if you call it the Deccan Valley, I think we still a long way to go before we can claim to be something. In addition to all the successes that we will achieve, I think what the Indian startup ecosystem needs is to throw up two, three, four, five successful entrepreneurs who build sustainable business, sustainable, underlining it, sustainable, profitable businesses without compromising on integrity. It doesn't matter which college they come from, which town they come from, what is it a tech business, non-tech, all those are irrelevant. Sustainable integrity. These two business are the key facts to me. You must build a great business which is profitable. You must do it without compromising on integrity. I think to me, if we can throw up five people like that, then the next 10,000 people can look up to them in the ecosystem. I think we would have succeeded. Right now, I'm not sure we're there. No, I, I completely agree with you, Aiti, because it is true, and <clears throat> we know of incidents. Um, the the other thing, uh, I, I meet a lot of founders these days, and uh, I myself am a founder now, a rookie founder, like I say. Uh, the kind of experiences you went through, um, were, were there periods of depression? Uh, like, they say this, it's being lonely being a founder or at the top or and, and you were a single founder well we were six but five of them moved on after the fab mall deal right yeah, they did so in fact the four the, they moved on to other you know them right yeah, so yeah. they all moved on because as part of the deal they had to go to fab mall yes so i stayed alone in that sense how, how did you cope with uh, whatever you call it loneliness or people are also talking about founder depression these days what was your source of uh, ammunition to fight these battles and what would you advise founders who go through depression for a lot of reasons so one is i went through very uh, that 2013 i go back it was extremely traumatic massive depression uh, the entire year in fact the worst thing that happened is december 2012 31st december midnight is when i told this bunch of people who were drunk came home and knocked loudly woke up everybody woke up the neighbors and abused and asked for a lot of money family watching friends watching neighbors watching just a terrible experience and it set off the tone i mean one of the reasons we all enjoy on december 31st and look for january because we believe it's the start of something great the next year it was just a depressing start and you know i went through that day was the most depressing day in that sense because all sorts of thoughts actually cross your mind, right? Uh, we know what we are saying. Um, I have no shame in saying the thoughts did cross. I mean, everybody's mind crosses. It was, I didn't even want to see January 2nd. It was so terrible. Did you feel like ending, yeah. ending your life? Yeah, I mean, we all go through such depressing feelings. So we certainly, I like I told you, the thoughts cross your mind. Should you do it, not do it? Well, obviously, uh, we're doing the interview today, so <laughs> all is well that ends well. But I must say, I mean, I must confess that the thoughts do cross your mind because why do you want to, how much more can you deal with it? And when you actually expose your family to abuse by people to whom they have no connection, that's when you realize that perhaps being an entrepreneur and starting up is not worth anything. 
So that was the most depressing period. And the whole year was like that. How I dealt with, I think they were, uh, I mean, all credit for coming out of it must go to my wife and son. Because, uh, I mean, if uh, that's the reason my the first page of my book is really dedicated to both of them. I've told you know, to Radhika and Erwin, thank you for understanding the difference between value and valuations. Because I think, and that was a time when the ecosystem in India was just exploding, people were, and you know, we were just going through so much of mess. I think without their support, um, mentally, emotionally, uh, it would have been hard for me to come through. So all credit to them, there's no, nobody else. There was nobody else who, I, who helped me. Uh, it's not that um, people I didn't reach out to, I didn't reach out to some people, but nobody really helps. I mean, the other thing that I learned is when, when the shit really hits the roof, then you better start mopping up yourself. Nobody will come and mop for you. Um, I mean, everybody's there, but I think there's a lot of... Uh, all, all friendships are really in good times. Very rarely, I mean, those great stories that we see on movies about friends helping you are all great movie stories. And I'm sure some somewhere somebody must be happening. In, but generally, in my case, it's not been happening. So when, when things really become bad, there was nobody to help except my wife and son. So all credit must go to them to for coming through uh, successfully in that sense. In fact, you know, I think that's the biggest, my biggest success in the life is not being starting the first e-commerce company, not Fab Mall, Fab Mart, India Plaza. I think they're all flag points on the journey. I think the biggest success in my life is the fact that I'm, despite the most depressing moments of my life, I'm now able to completely turn it around and speak about my failure candidly and tell people that, look, this is as important as the lessons from success. To me, that's a big success. The fact that I'm speaking candidly, openly, and proudly about my failure is, I think, a great success. The book taught title was actually picked very, uh, really yeah, was, a, was actually a result of all of that. And I know people have, who I don't even know, have written to me saying they picked up the book and they, sh they saw it on the shelf because they found the title intriguing. So that's a success in that sense. The fact that I'm able to talk about failure so openly, I think it's just a great success. Uh, it's not popular in India, talking about failures is not so popular. Strangely, I've done some research and I now realize that it's not true in most parts of the world. I think sometimes we in India think that in India we don't treat failure, we only treat success, which is true and we must change. But it's true in most parts of the world. In most parts of the world, except perhaps Silicon Valley where there is a premium, I think they place a premium on failure more than success. In almost every other part of the world, the premiums are always on success, not on failure. Yeah, so, so well put, actually. Uh, you have also seen a generation of entrepreneurs come right. and build things. Some of them have failed, some of them have not failed yet, or you know, <clears throat> they are still at it. Uh, how do you get this feeling of being, you know, missing out on on action in some way? Uh, like, why did you not attempt another e-commerce venture? 
when there were people doling out cashes with just the name term e-commerce in the right. pitch decks where were you then so one is you know <clears throat> mentally i was not prepared to do another after the india plus at the harrowing experience i think i needed mentally uh, the courage to come back and do it again um, so that's why i didn't do any startup for so many e-commerce was a why i didn't do e-commerce i can give you a more simple answer i think i need to be excited about stuff that hasn't been done before right when we did e-commerce in 99 nobody even knew whether e-commerce was a hyphenated word or not right 2012 was too late to do e-commerce all over again because there are too many people uh, who were doing it and it didn't make sense so e-commerce i'm very clear even if i do something it'll never be in the space of e-commerce simply because i don't think there's any excitement left in e-commerce there's no mystery right for me a startup must have two things a it must fundamentally be something that has not been attempted from a product service point of view that must be exciting to the second most important thing is it must be something that i have no clue about you know i know again it's a very silly thing to say for an entrepreneur people want to be domain experts but i don't want to go and do a startup i'm happy to advise and mentor people in my domain expertise so if somebody is doing an e-commerce and they want me as a mentor and we strike off a good chemistry and balance i'm happy to share my experience with them because there's a domain knowledge with them but i wouldn't do it i need to do something that i have no clue about again i know it sounds very strange but that's again you haven't read the book so i must tell you it's in part of the book the reason when we started e-commerce and i took the challenge of handling the marketing for the website i was in charge of marketing when we started is not because i was a great marketing guy but because i had no clue i had no clue how to do marketing for a website i said wow let me do it so i think if i ever do a startup it must be in a domain or an area that i have clueless about totally absolutely clueless that's when i'll be excited saying okay here's some fun i don't know what to do let's figure out what to do i must figure out what to do on my own making mistakes and reaching inch of saying let me do e-commerce i've done it for such a long time i know what to do i mean if i know what to do then what's the point of doing it is my approach again i'm not i don't think i would tell advice entrepreneurs saying you should do something you have no clue about because the risks are much higher right why would you go do stuff that you don't know it rather do stuff that you know but that's the way i am so if i ever do a startup it will be an area that i'm absolutely I don't have any domain knowledge about um because then i think there'll be a challenge of doing it again wrong advice so you shouldn't <laughs> too many people shouldn't be listening to the podcast <laughs> yeah on a more final note um if anyone uh, of course reads that book uh, a lot to learn from failures and your own experience i'm sure uh, even if they are listening to this conversation um if i am sitting on the fences and thinking of becoming an entrepreneur um uh, it would all appear to too tough for me right? yeah yeah uh, i would say hey, i mean from bhaiji's story uh of course uh, ennobling and it it poignant uh questions a lot of beliefs uh, why would someone still look at you or learn your story and still do it why do you think i think it's a very important question because you know the last thing i want is for leave behind an impression that i am uh, 
I'm not positive about entrepreneurship and actually telling people that look, it's too hard and too tough. I think the fact that it is hard and tough is known. I mean, you yourself are an entrepreneur, Pankaj, you know, right? I mean, one and a half years, you must be knowing it's tough. See, you have to realize one thing. If it was easy, everybody will do it. The fact that less than one out of thousand attempt to be an entrepreneur, forget for success, failure, one out of thousand decide to jump in and start something on their own, if it was easy, 999 would do it. So fundamentally, everybody knows. The 999 who didn't start up and the one who starts, all of them know it's tough. So there's no need to read my book or listen to this podcast to understand this stuff. Of course, it's tough. I mean, if it was easy, right, then what's the point? I think what I'm trying to say here is that there are pitfalls. There are things that you need to be careful about. You have enough of problems succeeding because of the challenges of the competition, environment, market. Avoid some of the things, mistakes that I made so that you don't have more burden. That's all I'm saying. If, I, if anything, I think my book will prepare them better to be an entrepreneur because I am telling them a few things that they can absolutely avoid. I can tell them of a few mistakes. I'm sharing a few things that they need not repeat mistakes that I have made by being first. See, one of the problems, and I've written about this in the book, I call it the first mover disadvantage. The first mover disadvantage is because you go alone, you don't know what the mistakes are, but you make those mistakes. Now, I can be quiet about it and say, okay, let the other guy also figure out. But I'm saying, no, I've made the mistakes. I've paid for it. I've paid for it financially, emotionally, all of that. But the least I can do to put back in the system is to share my story so that you read about it and avoid those potholes, right? We know the roads are full of potholes. Do we stop driving? We know the roads are manholes are open in, when it's high monsoon. Do we stop walking? No, we don't. We just have to be careful. I'm only pointing out to the potholes that are there, that the manhole covers that have been removed. And all I'm saying is go around it so that you can walk faster. I'm not saying there are manholes open, stay at home. I must share uh, a very inspirational speech by J.K. Rowling, I keep talking about this regularly and I think it's just inspirational from, she was an absolute failure, right, till she wrote Harry Potter. And she wrote it, you know, on doles from the government sitting on the bench uh, with her uh, um, child, um, unwed mother. And after Harry Potter series became a success, she was invited to address the 2008 business school batch at Harvard Business School talking about failure and I think she said something that constantly resonates with me. So since you asked this question, I must share what she said so that the doubt, there's no doubt about where I'm coming from. Her point was that all of us are failures. All of us in our lives are failures because we have all failed at something. There is nobody in the world who can truly stand up and claim saying, I have succeeded in everything that I attempted. That person does not exist which means we've all failed. You have failed, I have failed, you will fail in some more, I will fail, we'll all fail in lives, we'll succeed in a few, we'll fail, in, we'll fail more than we'll succeed, but that's what life is all about. So her point was, we all fail. So the only way to avoid failing is to not attempt to do anything, in which case you fail by default. In which case my point is, that if you don't start up, if you want to start up, you must start. Because if you start up, you may fail, you may succeed. But if you don't start up, you will fail. 
because by not starting up you will anyway fail so i think my point is very different it's not about not starting up or starting up i think you should start up because starting up is the only way you're giving yourself a chance of succeeding yeah. not starting up means you anyway fail so you like she said if you don't start you anyway fail by default so you don't want to fail by default so you should start up <laughs> thanks i mean that's a great note to end this part of the conversation i mean I'm sure uh, we can keep this alive. It's, it's fascinating to listen to these stories, Vaiti. Thank you so much. Thank you. Godspeed.